BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. All right, welcome to Birdland tonight, in this case, Birdland Afternoon. Uh, <laughs> I am Josh Soroka from Section 336. With me today is Andrew Stetka from Utah Street Report. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm good, Josh. The team's 2-0, and and uh, you know, even though it was a little hairy there at the end, uh, you know, two, two good wins up in Boston so far. And yeah, hairy there at the end, but I guess we have a closer. After all the talk of uh, we don't teams that rebuild don't have closers that yeah. I doesn't believe in the closer position. He seems to believe in the closer position, at least with who he trusts. Yeah, it, it, it might be the case. And it's interesting too, because we even heard uh, some, some pregame quotes from Hyde saying that he didn't want to use Cesar Valdez if he didn't have to. And, right. you know, did he have to, I don't know. That's a, I think that's a question that's open for debate, but he did anyway. Um, and things, as well, I mentioned, did get a little dicey there in, in the ninth inning, but he got the job done. Yeah, and I want to talk about that in a moment because he definitely did not have to use Caesar, but he chose to. But I want to yeah. set up Birdland tonight. Everyone should be going over to birdlandtonight.com, going on to Birdland, uh, Birdland Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. Subscribe to the Birdland Tonight podcast. Uh, I don't know what Masson's doing now as far as the postgame show. What I do know is that the game that I see on the at-bat and at the end, Scott Garceau and Jim Palmer are doing an interview with big, heavy winter coats on. They're ready to get out of there and go home. <laughs> and I don't think there's anything that represents the Mass and Post game show better than that picture today of them with their coats on. Well, we are certainly – We I don't have a coat on. I'm you know in my office and, and ready to you know chat with you about this one. I, we're not going anywhere. We're going to sit here and talk about this game for a little while because, frankly, it was an entertaining game. I mean, it was you know like yesterday's game, a win on opening day. This was entertaining. This was a good – a well-played ball game by the Orioles. Oh, and you know we haven't mentioned yet, but uh, the Orioles are in first place. And I know <laughs> yeah, it's only two true. games, but I'm going to say that as long as I can. Yeah, because 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 there won't be many not, more days. You you likely can say it, but for now, not, you you you're right. You can say it. But a full team play, and and everyone seemed to participate. Um, I definitely want to talk a little bit about Ruiz today because him at second base, I think, was a surprise to all of us this yeah. season, and something we didn't even really talk about as an option during the spring training. Um, but let's continue the conversation with Valdez and going back to him at the end even in a scary situation because Hyde did not have to do it because he still had uh, Paul Fry, uh, Saucer, 
Ghost Officer, Wells Scoreller, 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 yeah, Scoreller, and LeBlanc, who have not made any appearances this year. And normally, we're used to the Buck Showalter method of your first three, four games, you rotate through and get all your pitchers in, no matter what the situation. Yeah, I mean, you you bring up a good point, and I definitely think this rules out Cesar Valdez from any kind of an appearance on Sunday, uh, maybe even on Monday. We'll see. Um, but like you said, I, I even thought that the way that Dylan Tate came in in the eighth inning and pitched, you know, only threw 11 pitches, nine of them strikes, breezed through that inning, got a strikeout. Um, I mean, you you blinked, and, and the bottom of the eighth was gone. I even thought that Dylan Tate might have stayed on just because he threw uh, so few pitches. But, it, it you know, then we saw Valdez warming up, and – it did turn out to be him after all. But, um, you know, I think that's part of what Brandon Hyde is going to obviously have to balance this early in the season uh, with, you know, that we're going, everybody's got to remember, we're going from a 60 game season to 162 games. So pitching stats are going to be stretched, uh, you know, throughout the season. Um, and at this point, you know, I think Brandon Hyde has a lot of different options in that bullpen he can go to. It, you know, I'm not going to question it. It worked out going, going to Valdez today. Um, but you are going to have to start to spread the love, if you will, even if it is in that closers role and give some other guys some opportunities um, late in games in those high leverage situations. But so far, he's he's two and zero doing it, and you can't really you can't really question the methods. Uh, you can't really question too much about the entire pitching staff in the first two games. Like you said, Dylan Tate was perfect in that eighth inning. Yeah, there would no no one would have asked the question if he came back in the ninth because he was so good. And before that, uh, Plutko came in once Matt Harvey started to struggle a little bit and went two and a third, yeah. only gave up one hit. He got two strikeouts for a guy that, I don't know, did we even get to see him in the spring at all? Well, no, he was acquired really late in the spring, right, just, so, just in this last week. So, you know, nobody really knows much in Baltimore about Adam Plutko, but you're right. He came in, and for me... You know, nobody was a real standout offensive performer in this game. I mean, we had a couple of guys with with two hits. Um, you know, uh, Michael Franco did have the the, the two RBIs uh, on his uh, his bop in the fourth, but there was no real standout performance for me. It was kind of Adam Plutko. I mean, he came in in relief of Harvey in that uh, what was it, the fifth inning, and you know, really shut the door and then pitched another two innings and kind of kind of bridged the gap from starter to the latter half of the bullpen for the Orioles in this one. And and that was really important um, and a really important outing in his Oriole debut. Yeah, I was uh, I was annoyed that Plowecki scored right <laughs> before Plitko came in because I really wanted to hear Scott Garceau talk about both <laughs> those guys in the same sentence that would have been it would have been a challenge for me as well so i, I don't blame but i don't blame you for wanting that yeah. but let's stick with the pitching because before all that we got matt harvey yeah and this spring i think three innings was the deepest he went in spring and we got him uh four and two-thirds innings two runs six hits i mean it's matt harvey he's 32 years old he doesn't need to be playing baseball anymore he well has- i mean look no, but this is this is this is exactly what you want, though, out of a Matt Harvey no. start for the Orioles. Oh, no, no. I mean that in a huge compliment when I say he doesn't need <laughs> okay. to play baseball anymore. I mean, he has changed his game completely where he's not the, the fast throw. And though he's hitting 94, 95, he's changed right. more into a strategy analytics type pitcher. And suddenly there's this veteran presence guy that if he retired, no one would question him. He had a great career. Yeah. Uh, but he's determined to come back and 
Sorry, those are those numbers are as good as I was is probably better than most people expected from Matt Harvey, especially for his first outing in a cold Boston. Um, to have a guy like that, if he can put up numbers like that all season, he that's a great guy to have on your team. Oh, no question. And even though he is the quote unquote second starter, I mean, you want fourth, fifth starter type of production out of him and you're completely satisfied. Right. And that's what he gave, you know, starting out in that first inning, you mentioned he was hitting 94, 95 on, on, on the radar gun, how accurate that is. I'm not sure, but we'll go with it for, for now, for the time being until we hear otherwise, um, which is nice, but he was also, you know, he was a little erratic. He, his command was a little off in those first, first, uh, handful of innings. Um, but he, he navigated his way through, a Red Sox lineup that, you know, despite what John Means did to them yesterday, is supposed to be somewhat formidable. Um, now, through these first two games, we haven't really seen that. We've seen, you know, two total runs out of them in two games. Um, but all, all things considered, like you said, I think Matt Harvey, this is the kind of outing you want. The thing that I was most impressed with, frankly, with Matt Harvey was that while his command was off, especially in those first handful of innings, he wasn't he wasn't getting behind guys and allowing walks because that's what we really right. that's what really is the killer. He wasn't he walked one batter and that came um I that believe in the, his final yeah, final inning of work. In the fifth inning. Yeah, yeah. or the, the it was yeah, that was in the fourth inning. Um, you know, his final inning. So like that's that's the kind of thing that that you really appreciate is that if a guy is at least struggling with his command, he's not going to go out there and put guys on base constantly. He gave up, you know, sprinkled his six, the six hits he allowed throughout the, the outing and, uh, and the one walk and, and was able to strike out, strike out a handful of guys too. Yeah. Not to mention also some bad luck for him with Austin Hayes losing the ball in the sun. That looked like an easy out. Uh, Severino with the strikeout throw double play. That was just a horrible throw Right with the, the final, uh, run where, uh, where the ball went off of, came back and went bounced off of him in like that right. one spot on the field. You don't want the ball to go to <laughs> just some no bad luck. So, um, uh, 386 ERA after his first game. Sounds good. You, I, yeah, I'm you take it, it and you, and you, you throw him out there again on Thursday, um, you know, for, for the home opener, that's at least the, the projection at this point. Um, and you, you, you know, you hope for the best, you, you see if he can't go out in front of the, the home fans on Thursday, and uh, put in something similar, maybe maybe get through five or six. The one thing I did kind of question in that uh, fifth inning where he was pitching um, and and trying to trying to get to the, to the fifth, I was wondering if we were getting a little bit of the old Buck Showalter mantra of you want to get a guy through the fifth to give him a chance to the win. He ended up not making it through right. the fifth, but I was hoping that that was not the case because, of course, what does it matter that he gets the win? Um, he ended up he did bring in uh, Plutko in that inning to get the final out, which which ended up being the right call. But that was after the uh, the run had scored in that inning. So, you know, to teach their own, but you know, it's at least nice to get him, you know, get, get, get like have yeah. that bridge before, with Plutko to, to the, to the back half of the bullpen, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And I think it's, it's telling that like when I rattled off the, all those names that we haven't seen come out of the bullpen yet is because we had two games with perfectly fine starts where it would have been nice to see Harvey get through the fifth, but he got four and two right. thirds. I mean, yeah. And no one's, it, and, and no one's trying to compare it to yesterday with John Means either, which was no. incredible. But this is exactly like like we said, the Matt Harvey of it all. That this is what you want. Yeah, no. Um, Means had such a good game that I was worried <laughs> everyone was going to be comparing whatever Matt Harvey did to John Means. And yeah. John Means had one of the best starts of his career. So yeah, um, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, and I guess also I hate that win stat you mentioned. How you got to get through five yeah. because Plitko gets the win. For his 
uh, two innings or whatever that he was in for. Yeah, so, two and a third. Although, like uh, I said, Plutko did a really good job of shutting things right. down and and bridging the gap, and and he deserves you know all the flowers for that. Right. I like uh, Charlie's pointing out in the in the comment section that we are on pace for 162 and 0. That so, is true. I'll Technically, that, you know, apart, if if you do the celebrate. yeah, if you do the math, that is that is accurate. Yeah, you can't argue with math. Is, so I've heard. Right, right. It's uh, what is it? It's the science. The science says we're 162 and 0. That's true. It pro- and, projected uh, one 162. Yeah, what's going on over there? Uh, Brady's also wondering if Salsa or Tate will come in in the ninth. Uh, tomorrow in a in a save situation if we get in that situation again um well you've certainly you've certainly gotta gotta get there first but i mean like i said i I liked what i saw out of dylan tate today um in the eighth inning and you know like you said sulcer's an option um have we seen have we seen tyler wells yet uh he's the other one you mentioned um max roller the two rule five guys so there, there are options in that bullpen i mean look the, the Orioles didn't didn't start with this large of a pitching uh, pitching staff to start the season in order to to run the same guy out there over and over again. They're going to spread the wealth. They're going to get a lot of use out of these guys. Right, but like you said, Tate pitched eleven pitches today. He, I'm sure right. he's still available tomorrow. So you would you would chance. hope so. You would see that. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about this uh, this offensive squad team. Yeah, and. Uh, I guess and, and defense, but some of the position players. And I want—I mentioned earlier I wanted to talk about Rio Ruiz because no one saw this coming as, as him being a second baseman. He made some outstanding plays in the field yesterday. Um, he got on base today with a walk, scored. He's making an impact for a guy that I didn't think we had a spot for on this team. You know, it's interesting when when this team signed uh, Michael Franco to play third base. It, it did immediately make me think what's going to happen to Rio Ruiz. You know, last year, I think Rio Ruiz had, I wouldn't call it a great season, but he was he was extremely formidable at, at third base. He had the power numbers, didn't quite have the 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 batting average or the, or the on base percentage you would want, but he was doing an adequate job playing third base. And the other part of that that we've we, we've seen late in these first two games too that. You know, Brandon Hyde has made a substitution and brought uh, Urias in to play second and moved Ruiz over to third in place of Michael Franco. Um, you know, with Ruiz, I never thought that he was just going to be shunned off the island here. Um, I, I just thought that he would be more of a, a backup. But the fact that and, and Brandon Hyde kind of commented on this uh, early last week, talking about, you know, at the tail end of spring training, he was trying to get Rio Ruiz some innings at second base. Um, as you know, kind of a backup option, an emergency option, if you will. Um, and I think a lot of people expected that they would see Pat Vileka come in and, and play second base to start the season. Sure. But the fact that Hyde has had the confidence to throw him in, in at second base and keep his bat in there, which I don't know that there's a ton of argument, but maybe there's a little, but I think Rio Ruiz's bat deserves to be, you know, toward the bottom of this order ahead of guys like Pat Vileka. Um, and I don't think that's a bad option as long as Rio Ruiz is going out and, performing at an adequate or slightly below adequate level at second base, you know, it's not the most challenging position on the diamond to play. Um, I think he can, you know, perhaps be this team's second baseman going forward. A lot, a lot to be said. This is obviously a very small sample size of two games that we've seen from him. Um, But he's an athletic guy and he can, I think he can manage there. We'll see in the performance. Um, And obviously, like you said, we'll have to see with the bat as well. He was able to get on base today, came around to score at one point. Um, 
you know, he's going to have to perform with the bat in order to keep keep his spot in the field as well. But as long as he's not embarrassing himself over there at second base, I think he deserves every opportunity to, to, to continue to, to stay in the lineup there. Yeah, over on Facebook, AJ's mentioning that he'd like to see Mountcastle get some time at second base. Uh, I think. <laughs> so we want, wait a second. Hold on. So we want. That. Yeah, we, we don't want Mountcastle to have to play seven different positions. He's not Marwin Gonzalez who can actually do that. And and we've already put Mountcastle at all these different positions in the minors. He can't handle any of them. We're fine with him being the DH. Yeah, um, I think I think with, when it comes to Mountcastle, I think it's completely fine to play him at DH play him at first base occasionally. And then when you need to, you can throw him out in the outfield and let in left field. Um, you know, if uh, God forbid there are some injuries or something that, that are going on, but I don't think yeah. you want to be moving him around and, and trying to get hit. You want him to focus on hitting the ball hard. I more think than we'll anything. see. Yeah. I think we'll see Mount castle in the outfield tomorrow because I think it's a Sunday. It's two days, two games. We're going to want to give guys a break, kind of work in, uh, slowly into this season. So I'd expect him in the outfield. I will never expect him at second base. No, those I don't. Two, I don't. I don't. I think Ruiz made in the outfield yesterday. Mountcastle yeah. cannot make those. And I think there are other options ahead of, you know, throwing a guy like Mountcastle over there. Um, you know, if need be, I mean, you could easily see Freddie Galvis or, or Michael Franco take that spot before yep. one of the two of them. Right. No, I think tomorrow we see Valeka at second, maybe. Good chance, yeah. And and look, this this is the other thing you got to look at too. Not only is it a good chance for a Sunday lineup tomorrow because it's a Sunday, but you've won the first two games of this series. You've already banked right. yourself a, a series victory. Not that it wouldn't be nice to pull off the sweep, but the way that baseball teams think is if you've got the two in your in your under your belt, you know, go out. So you're playing with house money essentially in the third uh, yeah. game. Exactly, and you're going to see the change behind the plate too, because Severino, he's been playing well, but he gets gotten banged up in both games. So Boy, he has Francisco yeah. will be back there tomorrow. Taking quite a few off the, uh, off the mask uh, in the last, yeah. in the last two days. Um, let's see. Uh, Brady's asking, will Diaz make his debut this season? Who knows? I mean, he didn't look yeah. that great in the spring. So it all depends on how much of the minor league season they have. And he's in a crowded position the outfield there's lots of guys out there yeah there's there's not many opportunities especially when you consider um the three or four outfielders that are you know fully capable of, of playing at the big league level unless one of them gets hurt which as we know is always a possibility with some of those guys um or one of them really really struggles uh Yusniel Diaz is gonna have to prove it um and it's disappointing to think about that and say that because he was supposed to be the centerpiece of the Manny Machado deal. The first thing that really kicked this whole rebuild off um, under, under the old regime and, and Dan Duquette, but still that was the supposed to be the launch pad for, for this thing to, to get better. And it's been, um, you know, a little disappointing that, that he hasn't been that guy, but you know, you just have to give it time at this point and, and not really, I also think not really rely on it happening and, and focus on, on who's here and, and, and who's actually performing in those spots. You're right. Uh, AJ says I'm wrong that Mountcastle never played second in the minors. I'll have to double check that because my memory served that he did. I'm not but sure if he did or not, but, 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 re but regardless, the guy has played so many different positions. You know, he played short, he played left. I believe he played some third. I know oh, he played first because I he mean, sucks defensively. Yeah. He's and, and, and look, he's, he can do something at least in left field. We saw a little bit of that at the tail end of last year when he came up. So we'll, we'll just have to see. I mean, I think for right now, 
you want him in that DH role as much as you can have, or maybe playing a little bit of first base when Mancini needs a, a day off of his feet at first. And you just let the kid hit. I mean, you know, today, 0 for 4 with a strikeout, you'd like to see him, you know, again, all the caveats of small sample size, but you'd like to see him with that bat that everyone is hoping for and expecting. You'd like to see that take off. Of course. Uh, Tommy's saying hi from Melbourne, Australia. I don't know what time it is there, but I don't know if you said to stay up super late or get up really early to watch the Orioles, but thanks for joining us. And then no Joe question. on Twitter is pointing out about how Hyde and the announcers love to say this, point out that Ruiz played quarterback in high school, which I think okay. is doesn't correlate a lot to of... baseball, except to say, like anything, all these baseball players were the best athletes at their right. high school. A lot so of them probably the played. They were the shortstop, played quarterback or running back or something. Yeah, they exactly. were all they were all that guy. Um, by the way, about six thirty a.m. Sunday in Australia. So good morning. <laughs> okay i'm surprised you know that yeah um all right well aj must be in the mount castle uh mount castle's biggest fan because he likes his uh defense but Look, that's I, okay we'll figure I don't, out what I, I'm, happens i'm not super down on mount castle defensively i just I, there are better players there right now you have you've got anthony santander in right field who was a gold glove finalist last year you've got cedric mullins who can run all over the place in center field and Austin Hayes showed in spring training the, the capability with his arm uh, to throw runners out. Um, and, and, you know, they've, they've played him and left these first few games. So I don't think that there's any problem with this, uh, this outfield defense right now. I think the outfield, in fact, is, is probably one of the strengths of this team, uh, if not the strength of this team. So I don't think you mess with it by throwing Mountcastle into that mix when you can just let Ryan Mountcastle focus on hitting the ball, which is really what, he, you know, he's, he's the guy that's been in that cleanup spot the last two days. And yeah. And um and and came up with the big hit, hit yesterday. Yeah, he had the big hit yesterday on opening day. So you know, zero for four today. But you want him to to get the bat heated up before you start throwing defensive responsibilities at him uh, that are that are just going to to complicate it, especially with such a young player. So, All right. What I love about Birdland tonight is we're the only interactive post game show. So yeah. whatever you're saying in those comments, you get to steer the conversation, which is why I got to bring up this comment to you, Andrew. <laughs> uh, our catchers suck. Do you think Santander should be, tr- we should trade Santander for a catcher? No, um, <laughs> no. Uh, you guys there's realize a, there's a, that our catchers are holdovers. Well, yeah. And, or, and there's, or, there's a little, uh, there's a little guy named Adley Rutschman who's going to be the catcher of this team, probably if not by next season, uh, maybe even a little earlier. So uh, no reason to trade one of your, one of your better outfielders and a guy who was, uh, you know, through the first handful of, of weeks and months of the shortened season last year was probably an AL MVP candidate. Um, uh, you know, Anthony Santander shouldn't go anywhere uh, for a catcher. I'm not saying they shouldn't trade him right, if they can get something decent for him, but don't do it for a catcher. <laughs> Trust right. me. And, um, and and honestly, I don't have a problem with, with Pedro Severino as the starting catcher for this team right now. You know, he, yeah. Could he do a little bit of a better job framing pitches and, and receiving? Absolutely. But um you know, he could be, he could be a little better defensively. Don't get me wrong, but he's also a guy that can, can throw a few hits together in a game and, and contribute, um, you know, this team offensively and from a, from a lineup standpoint, doesn't have a whole lot of issues for where it is in its, in its rebuild right now. Right. Um, we talked a little bit about this in one of our, our pregame shows or our preseason shows, excuse me. Um, you know, talking about kind of what the positions are that can fill in. And, and the big position that we thought was a major hole was second base. And all of a sudden we're seeing Rio Ruiz 
step up and and fill in in that spot and he can do that for as long as you know his bat and defense will allow him to so there are bigger problems on this team specifically on the pitching department than you know finding a new catcher or trading away outfielders when when you don't particularly need to right now yeah everyone got on base today except for trey mancini who got a sack fly rbi and ryan mountcastle but everyone else got on and mountcastle you forgive because he had the big hit yesterday and you got to remember that this uh tanner hoke guy that started for the red sox he was looking unbelievable the fact that the orioles were able to keep up with him and uh knock away a bunch of enough balls to get to the bullpen was was pretty impressive well, and, and I want to talk about Hoke for a second. Um, you know, Jim Palmer made the point on the broadcast that he looked like a rever- – and I, I believe that Kevin Brown and, and uh, Jeff Arnold yes. were making the same point on the radio, or so I was told by some 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 followers on Twitter, uh, that, that he looked like the reverse of Chris Sale with his delivery and his arm slot and everything. He looked like the right-handed Chris Sale. Obviously not with Chris Sale's stuff, if you will, but that sweeping slider to a right-handed hitter – uh, going away, it looked unhittable today. And for through those first handful of innings, he was really, really good. Um, the Orioles finally, you know, obviously ended up getting to him in the fourth for a couple of runs. But you know, for for the Orioles to to kind of hang in there, I mean, <laughs> you go back to the second inning: Rio Ruiz, Austin Hayes, and Michael Franco all go down swinging uh, in that inning. He at that point had four strikeouts across five batters. He was cruising early on. So for the Orioles to kind of stick with it and finally get to him in the fourth, um, you know, Ruiz drew the walk uh, and they were able to string some behind on that, that, you know, that same part of the order that had had struck out uh, two innings earlier, stuck with it, got to Tanner Hoke, even though he really did, like you mentioned, looked incredible early on in this game, um, you know, with that sweeping slider. I, I can appreciate that the Orioles came back around on that second time through the order and were able to get to him. And a really wide strike zone today, which really yeah. helps with that sweeping slider, where you were seeing that yeah. ball move 17, 18 inches across the plate. Yeah, Ron Culpo maybe not as bad as Joe West was yesterday at home plate, <laughs> right. but still a little bit of a, an interesting strike zone, if you will, uh, uh, for you know on the whole. Bring me the bring me the computer umpires, yes, robot umpires, yes. especially if it gets uh, Cowboy Joe West and uh, you at, know those folks out of there. <laughs> at least behind the plate. Yeah, I'm okay with be, in the field. I'd be fine with it as well. So we'll and, see. And uh, Palmer also pointed out that uh, that uh, Chris Sale is 180 pounds, which is not there's it's impossible. There's no way he's 180 pounds. I think just his legs and arms might be 180. I mean, he pounds. is six six. He's got all I, I, I all the lankiness thin, to him. Yeah, but I'm thin and lanky. He's not 180 pounds. That's like his <laughs> high school like uh, freshman year baseball card. Yeah, he's got a lot going on in the in the arms and legs department, but um, obviously, you know Tanner Hoke to his credit, and and he pitched well at the end of last, or you know, in the, I keep saying at the end of last season, it was such a short season that it right. only felt like the end of last season. All we got um, was the middle. Yeah, all we got was a was a brief brief portion of last season, but he pitched well last season and, and has turned it into, you know, like I said early on in that match today, he looked good, um, you know, in, in the matchups with with the Oriole hitters, but they were able to stick with it, like I said, and and get to him in the fourth, which was important. Yeah. Um, any other takeaways from this game? No, I mean, look, 2-0 and is is great. Uh, having a series victory uh, this, this early in the season is great. Obviously, there's going to be the contingent of fans who are, um, 
there's going to be two different contingents of fans. The, the fans who are way too excited about a 2-0 start on a team that's expected to lose close to, if not more than 100 games. And then there's going to be the contingent of fans who are uh, really disappointed by a 2-0 start who want them to lose all those games to, in order to, to better their draft spot for next season. Um, so, I, you know, I've, I've also, I will just say, I've seen a lot of fans getting excited uh, seeing the two Vanderbilt pitchers, uh, you know, getting, yeah. you know, Jack Leiter and uh, Kumar Rocker. Um, just, just note that the Orioles are not going to get either of those guys. The draft order for the June draft has already been determined. We're talking about next year's draft order and both those Vanderbilt pitchers are probably coming out this year. Uh, so don't, don't worry about them being on the Orioles. It's not going to happen. I've, I've heard a lot of fans getting excited. Uh, and that's, that's just not the case. Right. And, and don't worry. Um, even next year, it looks like the Red Sox are going to have a higher draft pick than us. (laughs) Well, and and remember, they have a higher draft pick than us this year too, because they yes. the Orioles finished ahead of the Red Sox last season. <laughs> Correct. And they're and they're well on their way to doing it again this year if they keep this up. Yeah, it's because they won't use the word rebuild <laughs> in in Boston. Yeah. Um. All right. So uh, tomorrow, you and I are back on here for Birdland tonight after the Oriole game. Tomorrow is another one o'clock start. Bruce Zimmerman versus Garrett Richards. I know everyone's excited to see Bruce Zimmerman, local kid, kind of make his debut with the Orioles. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, you know, and especially not only not only tomorrow making, you know, making his debut in, in Boston, but obviously next weekend, you know, you presume that he'll get to, to make a start at Canvin Yards, which is really cool as well. So, uh, yeah, exciting, you know, exciting. And the Orioles are going for a sweep to, to start the season, which is and especially against a team like the Red Sox, you always kind of like that feeling. Yeah, you know, I'm going to start the countdown of the, the, all the projections where, like, you know, Resenthal said, oh, 50 wins or whatever. <laughs> so we can keep track. So when we pass those numbers, we can prove these guys wrong and call them out. Yeah, I mean, it, it, wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be the first time that any, anybody has predicted the Orioles to lose a ton of games and they've, you know, they've challenged that, that aspect. But, but let's, you know, I, I, I will <laughs> still say let's. The, or, right. That's as the, much the Oriole way as anything Ripken has done. Yeah, exactly. But let's still just keep it in perspective. This is two games, the smallest of of small sample sizes. And uh, but it's nice to have, you know, this start. Um, and like I said, it just makes it sweeter that it's been in Fenway, uh, especially in front of fa- the return of fans who, you know, whoever that guy is that's yelling on the broadcast. Um, I just hope he's able to get some lozenges this evening and maybe some herbal tea. And if he's going to be back at it tomorrow afternoon, we'll see. But uh, I just hope that that guy is able to get a break on his voice and and a break from the alcoholic beverages or something because he has really put in a, put in the work in these first two games. I, I definitely wrote that down about the loud fans and, and annoying fans in Boston is in my notes. Um, maybe it's something we can talk about tomorrow as you and I will be back. But I wonder how much of that is Fenway versus how much we're going to hear that in Baltimore. Yeah, and I'm wondering how much the uh, this whole the Orioles restricting to season ticket holders will that keep some of the Red Sox fans out of opening day? Well, it's interesting. The Red Sox have um, even fewer fans than the Orioles are going to be allowed to have at Candy Yards. They had a uh, four thousand five hundred seventy-one there today, um, and the Orioles are going to be, I think, closer to what eleven or twelve thousand uh, in, in the, in the yes. eleven thousand in the stadium next week. So. 
it is interesting though when you're watching the game on television you know you see these pockets of fans but you really the 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 field mics really do pick up a lot when there's not as many you know you don't hear as much murmuring and conversation because there's not a group of fan a larger group of fans together you more hear um singular yells and 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 shouts and chants uh from from different pockets but you really do hear quite a lot and you're also in in tune picking up a lot from on the field as well i've heard uh you know, and, and we heard a lot of this last season with no fans in the ballpark, but you're still able to hear some of the conversation going on on the field from the dugout, right. um, you know, yells if a guy pops up and, and yells an expletive here or there. You're still hearing some of that stuff because there's still not enough fans in the park to really make a difference. No, you heard of it when one of the guys got like hit with the ball or something, you heard a real good clear like, are you OK? I'm yeah. checking in. So nice stuff that you can pick up like that. Uh, if anyone from Masson is tuning into this, I'd ask that tomorrow on the broadcast you show us this obnoxious fan because <laughs> I think we all have a picture in our head of what this guy looks like. So just if they can us, find him, yeah. I, I'm sure I'm sure with so few fans in the park, somebody can have, throughout nine inning mean, can maybe find him uh, if he's I mean, if he's back tomorrow. It's Boston, so you have six thousand fans, you got five thousand annoying fans. Yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> it's a very all good right, point. Uh, well, guys, I see a lot of great comments and uh, all praising this show in the in the chat on Facebook and Twitter and what uh, Twitch. So, if you can help us out, share the show, spread the word. Uh, we're going to be doing some giveaways in the next week or so as we start to try to get numbers up and get other people to understand that this is a better experience than whatever Masson's doing right now. So, guys, we'll see you tomorrow after the game. Andrew, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Go birds.